Hello there guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I am once again joined by Janine Mercer of the Odd Entity Podcast and Podmoth. Now to clarify, this is part two, so if you haven't already, I really recommend you go back and listen to part one of our chat. And also, if you really enjoy this chat, I do recommend you go back and listen to episode 78 of Genuine Chit Chat, which was Janine Mercer's first appearance on the show. I have included links in the description to the Odd Entity podcast website, uh, Podmoth Media site, as well as the publication that Janine also does called Corvus Review. So make sure you check those out after this chat as well. So a couple of quick bullet points of the discussion before it gets into full swing. So our chat on Hung Jesus from the end of part one does continue in this. And then it kind of goes on to a discussion on religiosity and also how uh, the perception of religion in horror films has changed quite a lot, which is quite an interesting thing. Uh, We speak more about Janine's eclectic collection of artifacts and whatnot and storytelling. Uh, And then towards the end of the chat, it turns into a slightly more politically driven discussion, speaking about protesting, being on the wrong side of history, white guilt, those sort of things as well. Uh, before we close up so they're the kind of things you can expect from this chat Uh, if you enjoyed part one of this chat you're almost certainly going to enjoy part two because it's very similar in almost all the same ways Uh, and i had great fun talking to janine as well there's no promo today so the chat will get started after the intro music obviously just want to remind you guys to check out janine's podcast and podmoth media network as well as corvus review and all that sort of jazz you know make sure you follow on social media too and yeah that's about it from me guys at the moment and i'll be back at the end of the chat to give you guys an update on what's coming up next some of the other podcasts that i've been collaborating with and involved with and my second podcast star wars comics in canon so make sure you stick around for that anyway guys on with the show Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. There's a big Jesus crucified with the, <laughs> the thing is in his hand, yeah. you know, the bolts and things in his mm-hmm. hands and his feet with the thorn crown bleeding. Yeah. And when we're having mm-hmm. these nice songs about God is love and all that sort of stuff, which yep. is fine, whatever. And you're looking at this crucified guy up there and it's like... That that's pretty damn weird. Like that that yeah. bones are cool. I took stubby stuff is really cool too. But it's like yeah. that is a bit <laughs> bit of a push for you and me. <laughs> yeah. Um. At the college that I I got my bachelor's degree from, it's a Franciscan institution. Um. So like St. Francis of Assisi, the poor man okay. from Assisi. And in like when you go down one of their main hallways. At the top of a bank of stairs, like staring you right in the face, is the San Damiano Cross. And I don't know if you're familiar with the San Damiano Cross, but smaller versions are okay. They're okay. It's okay. When you blow it up to like 17 feet tall, his abs look like an erect penis. (laughs) So it's literally like... A man being crucified and really enjoying it in the middle of this Catholic university. And I'm like, can we go somewhere else and study for this math final? Because I can't stand Jesus's erection right now. I just can't do it today. It's too much. But yeah, they, I mean, they have one in every single classroom and it's literally like 18 inches high and it's fine. You can't, you know, like there's nothing the matter with that. But he's, when he's so big, it just, it doesn't work. And the nuns don't get it. They don't see it. And everybody else who's like, I don't know what the word would be, worldly. <laughs> worldly. Um, who has maybe seen one, um, knows that that 
is, you know, yeah. So that's the package. It's, I mean, Jesus is the whole package. Yeah, yes. that's it. That's all you need. Jesus's whole package. Indeed. It is, it is a weird one with um, with the paranormal, especially, and obviously we're speaking about vampires that are legends and things. Mm. But like, even with werewolves, there's religion has often played, and I think. I, I don't know if it's because of the media putting a spin on it, the films like The Exorcist and stuff, or and mm. probably predating that, of it's always been, you know, vampire films, holy water and crucifixes, as well as right. you know, multitude of other things. With werewolves, it's the silver bullet, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Now, that hasn't got a religious context to it necessarily, but... But that's the sometimes time... the case for vampires, too. Mm. I, I've seen that in Vampire Legend. Yeah, it depends because obviously certain vampire legends they say about garlic, and then as the years have gone on, probably because in films they feel like it's too complicated to be like, mm. oh, if you've eaten garlic bread, unless it's a comedy, you're you right. eat garlic bread, you can't go near <laughs> vampires. Normally they're just like that. Let's forget about garlic because we don't even talk about it. It's right. like the core, the yeah. core ones. But do you do you have an idea of why you think maybe there's been this religion in in certain legends and lore? There's been the religiosity sort of intertwined. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's not really so outlandish to want to battle evil if you're really religious mm. you know and like what's the most evil thing that you can think of probably fucking dracula <laughs> <laughs> like i mean you know i like i keep saying this but like i'm no expert um but i mean it it's like flavor of the week right like who are we against this week um and <laughs> Yeah, I mean that you know vampires and werewolves. I mean they're they're like the the they're almost like mirrors of like the deepest darkest parts of ourselves, too. Like if you think about it, um, feeding on other people, being a succubus. Hmm. Um, I mean that that's a very powerful thing to be able to draw power out of another human being. Um, and then of course you know you have the power of Christ compels you. <laughs> and that you know that holy light to protect you so i mean it's i i feel like it's just yeah it's just this invented kind of oh yeah you know we're we're gonna protect ourselves now with jesus christ because linda blair is spewing pea soup all over the room and the only thing that can protect us is well potentially a raincoat but also the power of jesus christ so it's it's funny how the culture's moving on where as so many more uh, countries and communities are becoming either more agnostic or more atheistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think the top three religions in the world, I think is Christianity, Islam, and then uh, atheism due to mm. as a population, I believe it is. Um, right. And it's, it's very interesting. I think, I, I think Iceland was one of the first countries and I think there's been a, maybe a couple of Nordic countries since I might be wrong on that, but I know there's been a couple of East uh, Northern Eastern European and the Nord- Nordic countries and things. Some of them are now, primarily when they do the census number one people are atheist and what's interesting with that is not number one people that's made it so really weird the the number one religious uh the way people would identify themselves religiously in the census the number one thing was atheism for mm. a couple of these uh, countries and what's interesting is where the culture is becoming either more atheist or less of militant religious people there's mm. so many more moderate christians i know who just believe in a god and that's right. relatively it and it's with the culture now has went from oh you know the power of christ compels you to now, in a lot of horror films, it's actually a religious cult who are oh, the right. antagonist, mm-hmm. which is which is a really interesting thing. I know there's been uh, previous things like that, but um, yeah, it, it's really interesting how it's changed, sort of 
with that, that's probably what it was like. Oh, religion, Christianity, you want a good Christian household, you know, and therefore in all our movies, the Christians beat evil. And now it's like people understand that there can be toxic religiosity. Right. So now there's there's a lot more culty films and things about religious cults going mental and executing people. Sure. And I mean, you know, when you so if we're talking about, you know, creatures that may or may not exist um, in terms of religion, um, Spring Hill Jack was in existence in the, in the 19th century, I think around like 1837. Hmm. Um, and he was actually used as a tool to keep people in line. Um, he was, you know, it was a story told to little children to make sure that they went to bed on time. Um but it was also a tool used by the church to okay. have people come in and pray more and pray harder. Um, I mean, Spring Hill Jack was this creature that could jump the height of a building and spew blue flames out of his mouth and um, would knock on people's doors late at night. And, you know, if a young woman opened up the door, he would literally, like, tear her clothing to shreds with, like, these giant claws. You know, he was a demon. He was a monster. Well, how do we combat this this demonic entity? Well, obviously, we have to turn to religion. Hmm. Um, and I think it's really interesting. Yeah, like you said, the religion has kind of flipped to the other side now of being kind of toxic, Mm. Um, and having toxic effect. Uh, like, I think, um, I, I watched, what did I watch recently? Um, I forget what it's called. Something about Scientology with Leah Remini? Oh, maybe? Leah Remini, yes. Um, she, oh, she's got a talk show, hasn't she? Surviving Scientology? Something? Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard her talk about it on a podcast. Yeah, just, she yeah. used to be a Scientologist, and, well, ages ago now, yeah. and no longer is one. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there's there's a whole series where she goes around, she talks to people who were previously involved in Scientology and have essentially run away from that mm. organization um, to try to separate themselves from it and have had negative effects from that, um, have been attacked and, um, you know, have, have had negative experiences because of the religious group that they've been affiliated with. Um, you know, that's, that's true of Scientology. That's true of, um, the, uh, the, the, you know, Jonestown massacre. A lot of people, you know, wanted to get away from Jonestown because, um, you know, Jim Jones was toxic and, you know, whatever. And so we have, you know, new Netflix specials coming out about that. Um, we have new Netflix specials coming out about Waco um, and how, you know, that kind of religion is toxic. So, I mean, it, you know, I, I feel like not all religion is toxic. No. But if you give somebody the power to wield, they can take that anywhere they want. Literally anywhere they want. I mean, I know that there are religions out there that take like 10% of your paycheck and they take that and they put that into their coffers and whatever. Like that should be a genuine gift, like something that you want to physically give. Like I remember mm -hmm. the collection plate coming around um, when I would go to um, church with my grandmother and, uh, you know, you you the collection plate came around and you put a couple of dollars in the collection plate. And that was, it was an at will. It was a goodwill gesture. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are these other churches and religions that are like, no, we're just going to garnish your wages. Like what, what is that? You know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that every religion in the world, all religions are toxic, but I mean, they certainly have the power to be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the scary part, you know? Yeah. Like, as is the case with any human being. I mean, anyone is capable of doing something terrible to somebody else. Anybody is capable of losing their senses and, like, harming somebody else and winding up in prison. Um, I always tell people, like, I'm I'm not going to look at people in prison and be like, oh, well, I would never, you know, like, those people are stupid. Like, what are they doing in prison? I would never be so stupid as to do something that would land me in prison. Well, you know, I can't say that because I could totally be that person that, like, loses their shit one day and just, you know, does something stupid and winds up in prison. So, I mean, it's not, it's not even really so much like religion or non-religion or, you know, whatever. it's just humanity, you know? Circumstance. A lot and of circumstance. Is. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just the lot that you've been given mm-hmm. and uh, the lot that you feel like you should do something with, mm-hmm. you know, and whether that's positive or negative, I mean, it, it's up to the person. We have free will. Um, whatever created us gave us free will to do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're just, we're going to do whatever and, you know, we're just going to have to deal with the repercussions. That's just how it goes. It is one of those. It's, it's like, I think of like the example of the Westboro Baptist church where there's a lot of oh, people God. who've who've left it. I yeah. think Megan Phelps is one of them. And I've listened to podcasts with her as well. And she's an mm-hmm. incredible individual. And she was in, she was born in the church. And so like yeah. a lot of, um, uh, what they call like intellectual atheists, I'll call them like uh, Richard Dawkins, uh, Sam Harris, uh, Christopher Hitchens, the sort of, you know, ones who have conventions, go to, well, not Hitchens anymore, but right. the famous atheists in a sense who speak about religion in certain ways. And they, they've said before where it's like, you can, it's the idea, I think that's a lot of the time, not necessarily the problem, but it's once someone gets indoctrinated, if, if someone, if someone has, if someone is say, in air quotes, not born, but say if you're someone's born with a, a, a screw loose in in a really, there's a really easy uh, metaphor for it to be like an extreme version. Someone's just a psychopath. They just have zero empathy of any kind right. at all, and they're just born that way. That person could be a business owner if he if he had rich in a air quotes rich white family. You know, as an example, he could become top of a CEO business. But if he was in say an impoverished community and he was a person of color potentially in a place where it was already had a lot of issues in that realm, that person the psychopathy would change from saying being business and being cutthroat shark in a business, but never killing anyone to mm-hmm. if you got into a gang, if you got into, if right. you're on the wrong side of things. And it's, it's like I've had people with me, myself speak about, you know, circumstance and things, and I'm quite good with numbers. Right. Well, if I was born in, say it was the same mind and same parents, but the circumstances of finances and location were different. If I, I could have got into drug dealing or my right. akin for maths could have helped me and I could have gone down that path and I may not be in the job I'm in now. And it, it's interesting to see there are, as you say, people in prison and a lot of it is either circumstances out of their control and they made decisions which did not help themselves or right. there's, there are people in prison who had like a moment of mm-hmm. of rage that is wrong. And I'm not trying to justify a lot of people in there, but like, right. you know, if I was in, if I was in town with my girlfriend, I said it again, Megan, and if I was not giving her a name, just forget it. She's, I'm sure she's no. grateful that she gets a name. <laughs> Yeah, she's been on the podcast a few times as well, so it makes it even worse. <laughs> I'm not naming her because any regular listeners actually know. Right. But still, it's uh, if I was in town, like I would never want to hit anyone, and I could say I would never kill anyone. But right. as you said, if I was in a situation where someone had a knife on Megan and I saw an opportunity, and it was them or Megan, mm-hmm. I would probably kill them, and then I'd go to prison. Right. So and that is an extreme example, but that mm-hmm. is a really easy, in a sense, black and white way of looking at it. And the more you kind of 
change the goalposts, the right. more grey it becomes. And mm-hmm. that's when I, I completely agree with what you've said is yeah. you don't know what people are capable of. Well, and I mean, not everybody who is in prison is a, a Carl Ripken, you know, <laughs> not everybody who's in prison is a Jeffrey Dahmer. No. Um, you know, I mean, those those people are few and far between. The majority of people who are in prison are in prison for just, I mean, like you said, circumstance, um, doing what they have to do, um, essentially, to, to live and feed their families, get by, whatever. Um, or, you know, they've, they've done something like they've lied on their taxes. Mm. And now they're, in, you know, they, they have parking tickets that are not paid. Um, yeah. They were pulled over and they smelled like marijuana. So now they're in jail for six and months. And they're in one of the states that like, doesn't have marijuana that's legal. But if you go a few miles that way, then it's fine. Right. That's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a like bizarre... you, you bought some edibles in Chicago and then you drove to Wisconsin and got pulled over. Well, you just brought drugs over state line. Guess where you're going? Prison. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, I mean, there's there's no way to say, ultimately. Like, if I was in the same position, I went out summer with my wife. We were threatened and I had to do something, I would do it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm not a violent person. I've never hurt anybody else in my life. But if something were to threaten her or threaten my life, I would have to do something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that might land me in some hot water. But that's something that you just have to do because there's crazy people in the world. (laughs) You know, like. What side of crazy you want to sort of be on and things. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, being human is is so weird. And what I find the weirdest is when people sort of, we spoke about this a little bit last time, is when people almost criticize you for being, or criticize one for being a, air quotes, weird person, collecting skulls mm. or having Star Wars tattoos, or which is, you know, I think that me having Star Wars tattoos is more weird than collecting skulls because I think collecting skulls is amazing and cool. But I, I have been you know, called a serial killer on more than one occasion because I collect, to me. yeah, taxidermy and skulls and stuff. Yeah. But they're so cool. You go if you go to a museum and you see, you know, taxidermy stuff. There's some yep. of the coolest museums I've been in are just filled with just random stuff explorers have gathered over the years. I mean, I've personally never wandered into the Milwaukee Museum and thought, "Wow, that curator, that motherfucker is a serial killer." <laughs> Absolutely, never even crossed my mind. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I consider my collection to be akin to kind of like a dime store, like a mini dime dime museum. Mm. Um, you know, you pay your dime and then you get to go in and like, look at whatever. And like when people come over, like if my friends come over, they want to see my collection. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, it's a request. Like, exactly. see your office? Like, <laughs> you know, and I mean, I've, I've added some new things. Like I've got, um, some fossilized, um, remains from a whale, uh, baleen oh, awesome. whale. Um, I've got uh, a company called Eccles, um, made wax um, noses and, like, ears and parts of the face for, like, morticians to use. Mm. Um, so I have a wax nose in my collection now. That's cool. Um, just a disembodied nose that just hangs <laughs> out in my office. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I, I have my taxidermy. I have several different kinds of taxidermy. I have wet specimens. Uh, some of them I've preserved myself. I taught myself how to do that because I think it's interesting to be able to further preserve that life after it's gone so mm. that it can be enjoyed. Yeah, it doesn't make me a serial killer. 
No, it, it doesn't. It's it's the weird thing is that I, I've said I can't remember if I said this to you before, but I've said the podcast a couple of times where it's like people. This is the weirdest thing about it. You don't choose what you like. You can right. choose. You can choose what you you buy. You can choose what you fill your house with. You can choose what you spend your time doing. But at the end of the day, you know, I like relatively speaking everything apart from sport and cars they're just two things mm. i like playing sport but i play football or uh, hockey or basketball any of those things i like right. playing them because it's fun it's exercise whatever but if you said hey, do you want to sit down and watch three hours of it it's like <laughs> if i'm with a couple of people who really want to right. yeah I'll, I'll hang out and watch it but if you're like do i would i choose that no but or i mean I like you're down to the pub or something you're hanging out with friends and the soccer game is on yeah, exactly. Yeah, if that I don't. That's fine. I'm more than happy to do that. There's or sorry, the, the football game. If the football game. Yeah, well, soccer, football. Yeah, it's <laughs> and it's it's funny with it because even when like the World Cup was on and things like I don't have yeah. I don't care about football. But when the World Cup's on, I was getting like, oh, England's doing well. I'm happy for everyone in the in England who cares about football that they're happy, and I was getting right. into it because everyone else was, and it's a camaraderie. But I don't actually care about sport at all. It's just yeah. not anything that appeals to me. But I don't at work. I've got a couple of, of work bases that we give each other shit because, you know, I'm a massive Star Wars nerd and movies oh, right. and et cetera. And they they don't see it in the same way. But I go, well, you guys are, you guys are nerds too. And they're well, not really. Not, but you can <laughs> name every footballer over the last like 30 years that have played for like any team. You can literally, I can say a team to you in a year and you'll tell me where in the Premier League they right. were. You're a nerd. Like you're just a sports right. nerd. You know, you know about these games that people like to play and people watch them. I, however, like to watch made-up fantasies about space wizards. They're right. not; they're both equally inconsequential to anything. They don't really, right. apart from the monetary value to the economy, in some argument. Apart from that, they don't mean anything. So, everything is fair game if you want to like what you like. Yeah. And I, I love your eclectic collection. Like, if I, if I was ever in Wisconsin, I would just visit you and just come <laughs> see it all because that'd be that nice little, and I'd give you a dime as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, go. well, yeah. Price of the price of admission. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's like it ranges from taxidermy and, and wet specimens and, um, oh, another recent ad was a mummified goat. Oh, I think I saw that on Facebook or something. Somebody, yeah, somebody sent me a mummified goat. Uh, apparently it's a symbol of like good luck. Okay. I don't know, but he's cute. Uh, his name is Arthur. He has like a little Amazing. tag around his neck and it says Arthur. That's so cool. Um. I think that the other part of my collection, I, I, I feel like I talked about this a little bit um, last time, too, is uh, knowing where all the pieces come from. Mm. Um, it's almost akin to knowing where you come from. Like, there's there's that much of a comfort in it mm. for me. Um, you know, for example, I, I can walk into my office right now and pick anything off the shelf and be like, I got this from you know, this specific place and, you know, the guy who sold it to me, like, for example, um, Walter, uh, he's my favorite piece of taxidermy. Uh, he's a full mount javelina, uh, peccary pig. Yeah. Amazing. And, uh, I got him from Craigslist and the guy who was selling him, uh, gave me like all of the paperwork that goes with him. And he was actually like a B movie prop. Oh. So he was used in a really shitty horror movie called Havelina. Oh, okay. Um, and you can actually, if you go on YouTube and you type in Havelina movie, um, you'll get the opportunity to watch Walter run, quote unquote, run <laughs> alongside a sports utility vehicle for like five minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it. He he has a story. So it's almost like the pieces in my collection are like 
people. Mm. Like it's almost like being interconnected with other people. Um, I think it's the main reason why I gravitate towards like the oddball groups on Facebook. Uh, because I know that if I go in there, nobody's going to be like, oh, well, you're a serial killer. Like, why would you collect, <laughs> you know, a raccoon skull? That's terrible. Um, you know, or why would you preserve wet specimens? Like, what are you, you know, what are you going to do with that? Like, yeah. So yeah. I gravitate towards these groups where people are already kind of like outcasts and like considered yeah. weird and, you know, or like I can't talk to my significant other about it because she's disgusted or like <laughs> she's just not interested in it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things like through my collection, I've managed to build a community um, of people who have collections themselves. And mm. now it seems like their collections are slowly migrating into my collection. <laughs> so like they'll, they'll post something and they'll be like, oh, I want 20 bucks for this. And I'm like, Oh, do I want that? Oh, do I need it? Oh, I don't need it, but I do want it. Uh, so, yeah, did... I mean, I just got a box of little odds and ends somebody sent to me. Uh, it was like a porcupine quill. There was a fox pelvis cleaned, like bone. Mm. Um, a couple of little shells. Uh, a couple of weird seed pods from like a, I think there's something called like a bat plant or a bat flower or something, and the seed pod actually looks like a bat. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, people people pack stuff up and <laughs> send stuff to me all the time, and um, it usually happens right after I put out an issue of the literary journal, uh, which just happened. It's a Corpus so, Review? Yeah, yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I just recently released that, so I'm still getting, like, little trickles of things in the mail just to say thank you for, you know, publishing them or whatever. I really wish they would just donate money. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that sounds kind of bad, but like, I, I kind of wish they would because then I could pay for web hosting. That would be nice. Um, because you know, raccoon skulls don't pay the rent, right? <laughs> no. Um, and I don't think there's something that's going to necessarily increase in value and, and, unless right. raccoons suddenly go extinct. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Random seashells. Probably, you know, beach glass. Probably not going to. Yeah. This is not a trade and barter system. No, it's not. Unless there's like an apocalypse thing. And then instead of like bottle caps being the currency, you have seashells and that's the currency. (laughs) You're in it. Seashells and animal skulls. (laughs) Or like random stamp collections. Um, Gotten like random stamps in the mail. I just, yeah, it's just weird. I got old keys. If I find if I find like an old key somewhere, not, not oh, a, a proper right. house key, I just like really old. I've got one that this but you know it's this big. Mm. It's and it's it's so old that if you put it into a lock and twisted it, it would snap. Oh, it's that snap thin up. and broken. But I just it's cool because mm. it it's part of that yeah, fun, that wonder. Fun. Like I've I've always been like this sounds. This could be taken in the wrong way, but I don't mean it like that. I'd love to have almost X-ray vision and walking down the street. I love looking like from the from the pavement or from the sidewalk. I like looking and seeing if some people's houses are open, as in the the curtains are uh, undrawn oh, and open. Sure. You can see you can see how they've made their lounge, especially if their house yeah. is very similar in structure or uh, things to uh, what your house is or anything like that. And you see them and you just go, all these people who are just born into the world without choice and are just mm. have to live the first, you know probably 10 to 15 years without really any choice of free will bar really really small things like what you want to wear what you vaguely want to eat and right. then 
you get your own little weird nest place and you just collect weird things and put them in a house and it's yours. And mm-hmm. I just love, I love when I get in, like a new friend or meet someone who I've, I've known for a while who maybe I had to have into the house or something. And you go in the house, it's like, I can't make a big deal because it looks like I'm going to steal stuff. Like, <laughs> But I just, it's like, why are you taking so much interest in that? I go, it's, like, right. oh, it's not, I just think it looks really cool next to that door, next to my back mm. door. Hmm. It, mm. But I just, it's just so interesting where, how people put, organize things mm-hmm. it's just random stuff none of it means anything apart from kitchen appliances and maybe you could argue a tv but everything else is just you know like old people and not old people but rugs and mm-hmm. pictures of family on the wall but also frame movie posters like mm-hmm. people just i love it and I, and I think the thing about history and a lot of the the sort of odd things that you collect which i think are really cool it's just as you say everything has a story and even mm-hmm. if it's just you look at someone's house, you can tell certain things about them. It's just a nice way to familiarize yourself with a person without actually having to say anything. Right. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, if you walked into my house, you wouldn't, like, none of my collection is in the main house. Hidden away. It's it's in a room up over a flight of stairs. <laughs> like, and I mean, it's, it's there because a lot of the stuff my wife is not keen. She doesn't want wet specimens in the living room. Like, this is not a thing that she <laughs> wants, um, that she desires. So the only thing that I am allowed to keep in the main part of the house that might give you a hint as to exactly how weird I am is a taxidermied duck gaff. What's a gaff? Um, so gaff taxidermy is essentially when you attach things to a piece of taxidermy that normally wouldn't be there. For example, oh. a jackalope is a gaff. Okay. Because there's no such thing as a jackalope. It's a rabbit and an antelope. <laughs> I see. Oh, okay. Smooshed together. I um, see what you mean. So the, the duck that I have is in a little um, glass case, a little cloche. Um, kind of, I mean, it's it's only small. It's like less than 18 inches. Okay. Um, and it's kind of tucked into one side of this shelf that when you immediately when you walk in through the door, the shelf is there. But you really have to look to see the two-headed duck. Amazing. So he's just kind of tacked, you know, he's tucked in there. Um, and his name is Frank and Duck. Amazing. Um, one, one of them is Frank and the other one is Duck. So they each <laughs> Frank have a name. and Duck. Frank and Duck. Yeah. Genius. But yeah, I mean that's that's the only the only real thing that would give you a clue. Um, my wife is also really into like fantasy and like myths and legends and stuff. But like Arthurian mm. legends. Oh, um, no, it's the round table. That's what jazz. Yeah, yeah, she's Dragons, big into that. So like we have um, we have a helmet, um, like a crusader's helmet that I bought for her for Christmas one year. That's in the entryway. Um, if you look on the walls, there's an artist in Newfoundland. Um, I forget what his name is, but like six years ago when we were back home visiting family in Newfoundland, um, we got to go to his studio and take a little tour and he does, um, kind of like storytelling fantasy kind of artwork. Mm. Um, so we have one that's a mermaid. We have another one that is, um, like a long, like a long ship. Okay. Um, getting tossed in the ocean. And then there's another one of a tiny ship getting tossed in the ocean, and underneath it is a huge kraken. Oh, like, amazing. Coming up through. So, I mean, there's there's little hints, 
but you won't really know the extent of the shit that you've gotten into until you go up <laughs> over the stairs and open the office door. That's when you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> There's hints all around yeah. the house, or little Easter eggs, and then you, you find... Bit. Yeah, you find the, the Alice in Wonderland door, and you open up, and it's right. all the craziness. Well, you know, I kind of want to take that door to my office off, and ah. put on one of those like bookshelf doors. Oh, amazing! Because we never have enough space <laughs> for books. Because my wife's an avid reader, mm. um, so if I got a bookshelf door, then that means that I could put books on the bookshelf door. And then I could open the bookshelf door and go into, like, my secret office, which I think would be really cool. But Would you try and have it where you have, like, a specific book and you pull that out and that is the special lever? Or would you have it just, like, a, a more simple one? Oh, where I, it's think, just a- I think they're designed so that, like, there's a section, like, a little section that you reach into and there's a little mm. knob. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm not even thinking something that in-depth. You're like... <laughs> I'm, I'm going I, I want way to go above my out. head on it. Yeah, next next stage is going to be you get your own castle, right? And then next you press level. the the bricks in a certain right. way, and the whole you know like the wall the, opens. And yeah, it's like, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. That, that's what <laughs> it's easy to do. God, that wouldn't be horrendously right. expensive and unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> How many bracken skulls could you buy with that? <laughs> that right. kind of money. <laughs> God. Ah oh, man, I was going to say uh, if you've got uh, still time, if there's not, uh, I'm not keeping you up or anything. If you've got another fifteen, twenty minutes or so. Oh yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, wonderful. I was going to ask you about. Um, there's a theory that I heard about, um, which is Terence McKenna's theory, actually, and he's a famous uh, psychonaut and things, which is a uh, basically avid drug drug taker. <laughs> and okay. um, he he spoke about this theory, and it, and it combines with a lot of other things uh, that I was speaking with Megan about earlier, actually. And there's it's about 200,000 years ago or so um there was the 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 homo species um which was like more ape-like basically their brain size doubled in the sense of the amount of percentage body weight it was taking up doubled and so our brains are disproportionately larger compared to our bodies than a lot of other mammals and things and it happened really really quickly in an unusual way and there's a lot of interesting theories as to how that happened and one of them is the stone ape theory which is um that in cow pats or cow dung uh, psilocybin mushrooms grew so magic mushrooms and for, they wouldn't be monkeys you know be the ancestor that we share the same as other primates you know, the maybe the missing link you know but homo whatever it was they ate these psilocybin mushrooms and the idea is that they it stimulated certain parts of their brain and over years and years and years eventually it made it grow in a certain way and made them understand lots of other things like develop the language center in the brain and all that kind of stuff sure. now that's a really cool interesting theory in itself but then what i like to do is combine it with all the other cool theories at that time of the what caused the human brain to double in size. So there's like, you could have that. But then there's also eating meat around that time. So it's maybe, and then there's also hunting as well. Okay. So there's eating, there's the hunting part, which is spears and the Stone Age, you know, that a lot of uh, monkeys and things, uh, primates and things, they use stones to break open stuff, they make spears to go fishing, etc. Right. Well, there's the throwing arm of the throwing a javelin or a spear to the, the, actual amount of uh, processing power that takes to figure out you know is it raining is there wind if you throw it how much force you have to do to get it to hit what you're doing the force of it etc that mixed with the psilocybin mushrooms allegedly uh, (laughs) mixed with because they were hunting and things they were eating meat which then meat has a certain amount of nutrients in this heart much much harder to get in with a purely vegetarian diet and obviously nowadays you can cultivate that sort of thing but back then when you're primates you can't really so a lot of these little things put together 
which could have been the cause of the human brain sort of doubling in size. And another one of those theories is, I briefly touched upon it earlier, which is aliens. So some people say, aliens came down and mated aliens? with primates. Yeah, with that's the, it. That aliens. meme with the guy with the uh-huh, big with hair. With the crazy hair, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that that's one of those theories. And normally when I'm pretty uh, intoxicated uh, around festivals, around a fire, that's the normally the time the sort of conversations come out. But it's so fun to think of all these crazy theories as to why the human brain doubled in size. There's probably hundreds of macro, uh, sort of micro reasons that all just happen to culminate into one reason. And that's why. But it's so fun. To, like, you can just sit around for hours and say, oh, yeah, this thing caused that. And I think my love of oh, it's almost scientific theory, but it's like with a, almost like with a, with like Gandalf's uh, pipe weed pipe and just kind of. Mm thinking about it it's that kind of silliness and it's i love that and i've always loved history and that's why i think especially in parts of my life i've noticed i've got into mythology as well which obviously you mentioned your partners into in in certain ways but i like you know the greek mythology but there's also roman mythology and all the Mm. different gods and obviously that goes into religion right and it's just it's just storytelling isn't it it's just all stories and that's one of the weird things about humans is that it doesn't really matter what you're into even sports in a lot of ways is the story of it of it happening because mm. unless you're playing the sport you're watching something what is it other than the story right and it's it's so weird to think about the humans are so into stories i'd say in, in in so many different facets if you know what i mean well i mean you know if you if you think about it any information that you want to relay to another human being how do you do it you tell them a story mm. I mean, that's the way that we relate to one another. You know, it's not like, hey, Jim, how are you? I'm fine. And then 25 minutes of silence until Jim goes home. Like, no. <laughs> you know, we we want to know about Jim's family and that vacation that he took with his wife and his two kids. And, you know, how his dog is doing and what happened to his dog. And, you know, and so we have to, we have to weave all of these complex narratives to kind of keep the other person engaged. I mean, if you would ask me at the top of the show, what's going on? And I'd be like, nothing. <laughs> and then we just fucking sat here. Like, I mean, it just it just wouldn't work, you know. No. And as human beings, we're narrative creatures. We want to craft narratives so that the world around us makes sense. Um, and I think that you can say that about a lot of things. I think that you can say that about, um, I feel like I've been on like the religion bashing train <laughs> for this episode. Um, But I've always firmly believed that, you know, the Bible, the stories of the Bible were crafted as um, something generic that people could use to form their their lives and their existence and um, how they functioned within the society that they existed in at that time. Um, I don't think it translates real well to today unless you finagle it a little bit. And some people are better (laughs) with the finagle than others, obviously. But, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. We tell stories so that our world makes sense. And through the telling of these stories, we somehow get that feedback that says, okay, you know, my life kind of makes more sense or I make more sense to myself now because I had that reaction to that. Um, Like, for example, um, like I said, I I come from a, you know, military police um, family background. A lot of my family members are either law enforcement or military. And... um, you know, this whole thing with, um, you know, the, the unrest, um, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and the police 
um, and, you know, the abuse of power and, and all of this stuff, um, it's, it's just kind of, I don't know, you know, it's, it's like, what is, what is my narrative, you know, and like, what story do I want to leave behind and what story do I want to precede me? Like, do I want to be the person, you know, that that lady in Central Park who called the police on the birdwatcher? You know, like, do I want to be on that side of history or do I want to be the person who's like, this is bullshit. There's no reason why this should be happening to people, to human beings. um, And it needs to stop, you Mm. know, and that that to me clearly seems like the right side of history. (laughs) Uh, But to other people. Maybe that's not the way their narrative works. Maybe they want to be the bird watcher in Central Park calling the police on a man who was clearly bird watching. Like he had everything to go bird watching. And he called you out because you didn't have your dog on a leash. Like that is bullshit. What are you doing? You know, I mean, if there ever was a Karen, that is a Karen. Um, yeah, it's it's just craziness. But. But yeah, I mean, we we tell stories to make sense of the world that we're living in. I'm sure that 10, 20, 30 years from now, we will tell stories to our children trying to make sense of what COVID-19 was and what the Black Lives Matter movement was and, you know, what what we did to make our world a better place, um, no matter what perspective that's from. Um, we're still going to tell those stories and we're still going to tell, you know, share those narratives because what else do we have? You know, mm. and when you think about it, we're just human beings on this giant rock floating through space and we're just trying to make sense of it all. And maybe we never will, but maybe that's OK. You know? Yeah. That's one thing that so. I, I had to come to terms with in my sort of late teens where I was like, when thing when it became clear to me that I kind of had like an epiphany and I was like. Oh, I'm never going to know everything. In fact, right. I'm never even going to know even <laughs> remotely close. Like, not even, like, you think, oh, maybe I'll know yeah, 1% of everything. And then you go, okay, that's a bit dumb. Maybe 0.1%. And now I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I'd even, the amount of knowledge I have about anything is not even, you could, 100 decimal places. You Still, yeah. I don't yeah. I hope know fucking nothing. Like, right. <laughs> we all just have, like, a tiny incrementally tiny 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 piece of the puzzle that's, mm-hmm. that's all we have or like we have the world's smallest a smallest torch or flashlight mm-hmm. and we're like the size of ants on planet earth and we've all got a tiny little light source and we're right. all like no we i know i know how this all works i mm-hmm. know exactly i've got it i've got it god yep. doesn't like the gaze that's what that's what I, that's, that's the problem here it's like well right. it's probably not like well, <laughs> it's like I don't, I, I, obviously the religion bashing thing i'm right I, I you and i think are both in the same boat where it's like don't hate religious people because right. that's not fair you just hate people who are assholes and some of them are religious it, it's right not. yeah well i mean that's the other part of it right like not all assholes are religious some people are just mm-hmm. assholes yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's just, I mean, and it's because of how you were raised. Um, it's because of the circle of friends that you keep. Um, if those people are inclined to believe what you believe and you only surround yourselves with those people, then, I mean, that's that's where you're going. Like, that's mm. what you're going to understand. That's your pen light <laughs> that you're shining out into the world, you know. But then I think with the recent things that are going on in the world, you also have to consider that that is your legacy. 
Like, that is what you're leaving behind. So when you post something shitty on Facebook and you say, oh, well, you know, it's absolutely right that police should have just complete power to be able to do whatever because the world is insane and, you know, whatever. Or you post something like, not all cops. Okay. I mean, that's fine. Not all cops. Not all people are bad. Um, Not all lesbians are bad. Not all, you know, I mean, like, you can't really make that generalization. Hmm. But at the same time, if I knew that somebody in my circle of friends was was bad and doing something wrong, I would probably call that person out on it and be mm-hmm. like, dude, you can't do that anymore. That's not yeah. right. You can't treat people like that. You can't say that. Um, and, and I think that that's a lot of the problem. Like, it's just been let go for so long. You know, people have just accepted that this is the way that the world is. And I think if we're not careful... I mean, this is the way the world ends. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what? what is that quote? Like, not with a bang, but with a whimper? Yes, yeah. I mean, do we really want to be the stupid whimpering masses? Or do we really <laughs> want to take charge of what's going on in the world right now and be like, this is bullshit, we need to change it? Yeah. And I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I'm not the person out there marching with people. Um, physically, I'm not able to do that. But... I am the person who, like, if I hear people passing by my house in protest, I will go out there and support them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to be that person that's going to come down on the wrong side of history. Yeah. Um, and actually, I mean, it's it's something that I've really been struggling with because of the fact that my family is so aligned with these essentially, like, power-controlling entities that, mm. I mean, you know, I, I know my cousin, um, my cousin works up in... Oh, she works on the mainland. I feel like it's maybe Saskatchewan. Um, But she's a police officer. And I mean, I know my cousin and I love my cousin. And I can't see her ever, ever, ever doing something like what was done to George Floyd. Mm -hmm. I could never, ever in a million years imagine her doing something like that. And then I come back to that conversation that we had about what you, what would you do if you felt threatened? Mm. And then I come back to the idea that the police in America are so militarized. And why do we need two militaries? We don't. (laughs) You know, like, we have a military and we need a police force. But we don't need the police force as it is now. Mm -hmm. We don't need people in riot gear shooting rubber bullets at people in the face when clearly rubber bullets are supposed to be fired at the ground. I'm not a police officer and I know this. So for me to know this and police officers to not know that, that's a little scary. Mm. Um, it was the whole situation that's happening over in primarily America, because obviously over here we had Black Lives Matter uh, protests and charts sure. and things, and that's all that's all great and things, and I obviously fully support all that sort of thing. It should almost be a given. Like, mm. well, it, it's I hear it, I go, well, obviously, but there's a, but right. it's not actually that obvious because there's a lot of people who don't believe that. So mm. it does baffle me, same as when I found out about you know, gay marriage in America being legalized and there being actual protests. I was like, oh, people, oh yeah, I forgot. I I forgot people actually oh for some reason I mean, care. It was only a few years ago that I was worried if my wife had to go into the hospital that I would not be allowed to go into the hospital with her because I was not related to her. Mm-hmm. Like we exactly. were married, but they were going to tell us that no, I would have to wait in the waiting room. And she would have to go in back. I mean, it was just, it's its insanity. And that was only a few years ago. It was very recent. 
one of the most baffling things to me is um, in England, uh, being gay was illegal until the 70s. You're right. It was, it was, I think it was 67 or something right. similar to that. And it was like, I, I remember when I first heard that fact from, uh, it was actually a gentleman I had on the podcast, a friend of mine who he's gay. Mm. And I knew, I think I looked it up before speaking with him because he mentioned it before our chat and things. And I was like, oh, wait. Being gay, I, I know there's been like a lot of stuff in history which has been very sure. anti-homosexual, but I didn't realize it was actually illegal. And then that's where the Polari, the uh, the rhyming slang, came from mm-hmm. in the gay community because it was if a if a man sat on a bench by himself, you could sat down next to him, you said a couple of words in Polari. If he said words back in Polari, you knew you were both right. gay and you could do with that what you want. Or mm-hmm. if he said, "What are you saying?" You're like, "Okay, can't." Right. And it's like, I, obviously, once again, it's the thing of privileges. I'm in that place where I'm like, I. I couldn't even fathom why that was ever a thing. Why? Who decided gay being gay to be illegal? I'm like, the baffling thing about that, in the most part, is is very similar in the way of sort of Black Lives Matter racism. It's like I can't, I can't fathom it because it's like you can't choose who you want to who you're attracted to and you also can't choose mm-hmm. a skin color so right. how could you ever treat someone differently from them being unable to choose it's like right. and it's with religious fundamentalists once again not against religion but people who are very hardlined in the, the bible and things and it's like oh no being gay is a choice it's like what so you could so if, if it was like a, to a pastor or something you're like oh so you could choose to like penis like right. i <laughs> <laughs> I, like in all honesty if I was single I would right. if I could choose I would be bisexual in right. the sense of where we're at the point now where it's a palette it's a it, sure. it's an area of sex where I'm never going to experience hopefully because <laughs> I, I'm not into that it's just right. penises revolt me and that I, I don't I mean that. present company excluded I'm sure <laughs> so it's, it's just one of those things where it's like you know I don't know mine's pretty grim um, <laughs> but it, it's one of those it, it's so baffling to me and then with the Black Lives Matter thing, it's the same. And it's like, how? Yeah. There's so many other things we can argue about. There's so many things wrong with this world yeah. that we could really have a serious conversation about. And there's so many people arguing about hashtag Black Lives Matter and hashtag All Lives Matter. And it's oh, like, God. it's like, how are people still on this? This is like page one. This was like years ago. And it's come back of the whole, I mean, I'm referring to people saying All Lives Matter. It's like, it is so simple. If your mate has tripped over and hurt themselves and they go, can you help me, mate? You don't go, oh, yeah, but, but you're not hurt. You're right. hurt, but I, I need help. I'm also, but, it's like, but you're not on the floor in pain right now. You're, <laughs> if you fall over it a bit and something goes wrong, we'll help you up. But right. at the moment, this is what you need to focus on. Turnabout is and, fair play. Like, oh. yeah, it, It's just, oh, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Getting, going down um, rabbit holes of that sort of thing. Yeah, my, my, favorite, um, my favorite explanation of All Lives Matter is um, you wouldn't go to a funeral um, where, you know, somebody has just died and one of their loved ones is up giving the eulogy and stand up and be like, actually, all lives matter. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Because that would be idiotic, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, God. Yeah. It, the world the world is a crazy and I, confusing You know, I mean, like, place. you know, I, I, I struggled with, um, because I'm a podcaster, um, I, you know, I don't have a huge platform. I don't have a huge following, but I still want to make sure, like I keep saying, I want to come down on the right side of history. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really struggled with the intro for the first episode that's going to be released, um, on Monday hmm. because I don't want to come off as, oh yeah, you know, th- here's this white lady, you know, saying that she understands, 
you know, what's going on. Hmm. Um, because I don't. And yeah. I never will because I'm not of color. I'm not a person of color. Um, I am an other. Um, I do fall into the other category. I Technically, I'm disabled a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'm a lesbian. Um, I'm a woman, which glass ceiling is still a thing. Um, so, I mean, I, I understand all of these things, but I will never understand what it's like to be discriminated against because of the color of my skin, because I have that privilege mm -hmm. of being white. And I just think it's so asinine that I'm privileged because of my skin color. It's just so okay. asinine. Why can't we just all be humans? You know, yeah. it just, it makes no sense to me at all. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, coming from a place where there aren't, there aren't really black people. Like I, when I was growing up, I didn't know any black people. Hmm. Um, I knew some Asian people. Um, the majority of like the, um, the doctors and it's very strange in Newfoundland. It's almost like there's like little niches where people are. So like, there's like the bad part of town, hmm. but that's all white people. Okay. So it's like low income housing, but they consider it to be the bad part of town. Right. Um, then you have like, you know, Chinese food restaurants, Jap mm. they have recently, they have, you know, like sushi restaurants and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But in lot like laundromats or whatever, uh, um, what do they call that? Fucking, why am I blanking? I feel like I'm a hundred years old right now. I'm like, can't remember what, shit. What term? Dry cleaning, dry oh, cleaning places. That. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, the, um, Asian community seems yeah. to operate there. Mm -hmm. And then you have like doctors, lawyers who are all East Indian, mm -hmm. which is very strange. And th so, I mean, like when I was growing up, that was the way I thought about people. Yeah. Just everybody being in their own little niches because mm -hmm. I didn't go to school with people who were Hmong. No, you of know, course, yeah. Because that wasn't a thing. They lived in a different part of town. So I went to school in the white part of town that I didn't know was the white part of town mm -hmm. because I had this privilege that I could just be like, yeah, I'm just going to go to school. And then at the same time in another part of town, you know, and somewhere else in the country, there's somebody walking to school who gets shot because they're on somebody's lawn and they just happen to be black. Mm. You know, I, it's, I mean, everything is, it's just, it's so fucked up. It's so fucked it up. It is. And it's, it's one of those things where I didn't even, I've said it in the podcast before, and it's it's one of those things where I'm, I'm kind of ashamed of it in, in some ways, but it's like, I didn't even know racism was a thing until I saw an episode of That's So Raven. I was eight or nine oh. years old. And yeah. there's an episode of That's So Raven on the Disney Channel where Raven doesn't get a job, but her friend who's white, Chelsea, does get a job. And then the, the uh. owner says, oh, she doesn't hire black people. And I remember I was at eight or nine when I saw that. And I was like, wait, what? Because I'd, in... Uh, in the school I went to, it, I, I'm from Southampton in, in England, which is right sure. down south. And England is kind of the stereotypical flip of America. So the, right. the up north is stereotypically considered more backwards. It's not just to clarify to people, but, you know, there generally is a higher percentage of seemingly racism up north. And down sure. south is generally more liberal-ish, you know. it's 
And um, Southampton is a dock. It's dockyards. It's docks and things. We had the Titanic come here before it <laughs> went. I think it went, then went to Plymouth and sailed off. Or it went to us after Plymouth. But yeah. you know, we had some sort of. T- we touched the boat when it you know was here, and <laughs> we got a museum about it. Cool. <laughs> right. But because of the docks is multicultural and stuff, we've got a higher population of uh, people from Poland as well mm-hmm. as th- there's also people of Indian descent and mm-hmm. lots of Asian descent as well. And we've got two universities. So it's, it attracts a, a wide berth of people. And so I, in my primary school, which is, uh, will be for you guys when I was like five to 10, mm-hmm. um, that was when there's a Catholic school as well. There were people of all kinds of different races there. So I yeah. just, it was normal to me. It was just yeah, people of different races. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was like, Oh, we all treat each other like people. Right. And then I saw that episode. That's a Raven. And it changed. And I was like, I remember that being one of the first moments where, you know, kind of reality hits you and you, you lose a little bit of your, your childish innocence. Mm-hmm. And it was that because yeah. obviously it's once again, it's from a place of privilege. I'm a very privileged individual. I'm a, you know, white millennial male in England in 2020. Like, right. You don't yeah. really get much higher up apart from trust funds. You're I'd ticking say, all that. the boxes there. <laughs> yeah. And so I often feel guilty. And I like to say that thing in the podcast about how that's the moment I realized about racism of just how naive I was at a young age, but because... It, I feel like with this having a platform, even though I don't have millions of listeners, that'd be mm-hmm. that'd be nice. I, I always am in two minds of things where when it comes to speaking about things like Black Lives Matter or social movements, when it comes to people of color and things, because England has a slightly different uh, political view on race than America does. America right. is more about black and white, but also about immigrants who are Mexican. That's the general stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Whereas right. over here, it's more about immigrants that are either Polish or. Muslim for some mm. reason they're the two it's yeah. very bizarre how it works especially because we're an island and you know all of our ancestors are immigrants but still same as America in most You're ways right. it's really weird right but it's I always feel I feel odd when I speak about things like Black Lives Matter because I, I never want people to think I'm going this is right this is the way and I know because because right. I don't I, I'm just saying my opinion but it's like I, I hope that people hear the sincerity and I'm like I just try and let people say their opinions on the show and stuff, but I, I generally have people I agree with for the most part. But it's like, I always feel like I don't want anyone to hear the show and be like, oh, he's talking like he knows from experience. Like, I really don't. Like, I want to put my hands right. on I, I From this sort of thing, I, I do feel as, do you know what I mean? Like, it's this weird thing to explain. It was like, not quite white guilt because I don't yeah. feel guilty about doing anything. But, you know, it's, right. I don't want to say I know what it's like in that, in their shoes mm. because especially from where I am, like I'm, once again, I'm, um, straight and things so it's it's even less on that part mm. I, I, do, I always feel guilty in a sense talking about some of the some of these issues acting like I know what I'm talking about you, you, know, what right. I'm, you know what I'm coming from I'm kind of rambling on I, <laughs> I said the same thing three times yeah you know this this concept of white guilt mm. um I read something recently about um a girl who had it was on Facebook um she'd marched with her whole family um mm. she's a person of color uh in the Black Lives Matter marches in Milwaukee and she said that she kept marching past white people who were crying. And she's like, what right do they have to stand there and visibly show their sadness when, like, we're being murdered? Hmm. You know, it just... And, and so I always think about that. I'm like, yeah, you know, this, this concept of white guilt. Like, am I... Like, I'll be the first to admit, when I see people marching for a good cause, I do get very emotional because I feel like I support them and I'm on the right side of history. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like they're, they're good people trying to do the right thing. And that's who I want to ally myself with. 
Um, but at the same time, when I start to feel like I'm going to get emotional about it because I am experiencing this, I have to leave. Mm. Because I feel like it's not my right to make it about me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the whole, like, this whole concept of white guilt. Like, you know, well, if I'm guilty about it, then that's making it about me. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter so much that I'm guilty about it. It matters more what I do now to, mm-hmm. to you know, in my, in my thoughts and my actions, the way that I operate every day, the way that I treat people. Um, that's what matters. And what happened happened. We can't go back in time and fix slavery. We can't keep that from happening. Um, you know, I mean, people who have ancestors who were slave traders, you, you can't go back in time and change your name. You can't Mm -hmm. do it. Um, that was shit that happened. Um, you know, I mean, they, they sold people like cattle and it's abhorrent and Mm -hmm. there's, there's no need for that, but you can't just be like, well, I'm really, you know, and I'm not shitting on you. No, of course, no, no. This is just my own personal perspective, but like, hundred percent. I I feel like I can't personally be like, yeah, I'm really guilty about it, and then just be with that, you know. Mm. Like, I feel like I have to, like, this is the reason why I feel guilty about it, but I'm gonna keep it kind of to myself and like low key, because mm. I don't want to be that person who takes away from what you're doing. Exactly. Kind of yeah, that's I see you see, and that's what I mean is that's why in part as well where I was like try making about me like if I instead of me talking about these issues, it's like well, does anyone really want to hear my opinion on these issues? But right. it's like on the other side, it is like, but if I'm saying my opinion on this, maybe someone hears what I have to say and then they look into it more and go elsewhere and become more informed in it. And it's like it. Well, and then you're the one with the privilege, yeah. right? So then you feel like, well, I should say something, I should do something, I should be in these marches, I should be visible because I am white. And mm-hmm. because there are other people besides me who are being treated badly, I should use the, my whiteness mm-hmm. as a tool to yeah. raise awareness and to bring other people, like you said, to awareness, to let them know mm-hmm. what's going on. Um yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that that's profoundly important. Um, yeah. I just really, <laughs> I really don't want to come off as that person who's like, and now it's about me. Like, that that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Like, you don't want to be that person who's so outspoken that you take away from what other people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said signaling. before, I mean, even though, you know, I am an other I will never know what it is to be that other. Yes. You know? yeah. So that's kind of where I am on it. Yeah. And the same as virtue signaling is a kind of like rounding off finishing points and things. It's just, I also don't want to come across um, like I'm being some sort of look at me, look how valiant I am. I support black lives yeah, right. matter. And therefore I am amazing. Moral compass is right. aligned. I'm not saying <laughs> people who I'm not saying white people who support black lives matter are doing that. That's not, that's not at all. What I'm saying, I'm right. saying, I also worry about coming across like I'm only doing it to be, oh, I'm like, look at me. I'm, you know, look at me because I'm doing the right thing. Therefore I'm good. And obviously that's once again, that's not taking you or anyone else. It's, it's that weird tightrope in my own mind where Mm -hmm. I'm overthinking to such a unnecessarily ridiculous degree that the only point should really be is just 
be nice to people Mm -hmm. generally and be good like one of the reasons i want to have kids one day is because i would like to be able to raise someone and let them have an awesome life and if they have friends who maybe if they've got parents who aren't as awesome they can come over our house and chill with like my parents let i was fortunate that my parents let all my friends come over my house all the time and some of them who had not as good home lives or things or whatever they come over and just hang out and it's it, it's not a big deal and it's those sort of things where like if you can just bring a little bit of good in the world either via podcast or just raising a good kid or doing community projects or protesting or any of these things mm-hmm. if everyone just generally did that it would be such a better place and that's i guess right. what everyone just has to kind of aim for really yeah i mean pretty much i i think that you know the the protesting and um making sure that the people who are doing wrong are punished for what they mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a, a good step in the right direction. Um, I still think it's a small step, but I mean, any step is better than no step. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I think that's probably, a, a, I won't go into another subject now cause I'll end up talking <laughs> all night. I even though I had more notes, we'll save for another time. But, um, go. It's, it's been absolutely amazing having you on and chatting with you, Janine. I feel like I could have probably chat for all night, but probably have to leave this room because I am sweating. <laughs> I'm so warm <laughs> so, in here. I mean, it's you're gross. sweating. I'm in a closet, dude. <laughs> <laughs> There's no air conditioning in this closet. <laughs> we don't have air conditioning in this whole building. Oh, seriously? <laughs> it's England. We do England unless you're in a supermarket or uh, in a big office. You do not have aircon. Really? We have windows and fans. You should get one of those portable jobbies those are we've awesome got a little fan we've got a little fan that's like uh sweat three four foot high and it oscillates and it's we only get about <clears throat> maybe a month maybe two months of summer if that oh sure and we've already we've had a couple weeks of summer and now right. we're in the kind of muggy middle and then we're gonna have a few more weeks in a bit and then that'll be the end of it so right. most english people don't have aircon because it just costs quite a lot of money mm. uh for something that we don't need it for because <laughs> oh. we get overcast right yeah we but, got a portable one that um <clears throat> you can plug in and it has like the adapter for the window you know with a hose that oh, goes yes, out yes, yes and it's just <clears throat> i mean it's literally like a compressor on wheels and it just <laughs> blows the most beautiful cold air that you could ever oh. imagine it was like 200 bucks that's amazing it's an investment, it's a good investment. <laughs> definitely yeah, I was gonna say it's been. I'm somehow losing my voice, which has never happened on a oh, podcast no. before ever. So you win a prize there for that, <laughs> or maybe I lose a prize for talking far too much and not letting the listeners right. listen to your amazing <laughs> stories. Um, but it's been great having you on, Jenny. I'll put uh, I'll put details in the description and things. But if you just want to say where people can find you, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you want to look at my blog, um, I put the show notes up there every week for the identity podcast. Um, it's theidentitypodcast.wordpress.com. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at identitypod. I'm also on Facebook as the Identity Podcast. And if you have like weird, crazy, ridiculous stories, or you have like a topic you want me to cover, you can send all that to theidentitypodcast at gmail.com. That's wonderful, and mm-hmm. I'll be sure to include all the links uh, in the below description and stuff. Awesome. Um, so yeah once again Janine absolutely still having you on and definitely have to do this again sometime yeah absolutely thank you so much for your time I'm glad that you're well and I hope that you stay well and I hope that all of your listeners stay well and wear a fucking face mask (laughs) yeah I showed you my face mask earlier so I've got little owls on it so I'm all good (laughs) all right awesome
And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. I want to remind everyone that Janine appeared on Genuine Chit Chat for the first time on episode 78. So make sure you go back and listen to that episode for more weird and wonderful conversations with her. It is always so much fun to have her on the show. And also make sure you go check out the Odd Entity podcast because some of the things that we spoke about here, you know, the weird and the wonderful and legends and cryptids and stuff, that's the kind of thing that the Odd Entity podcast tackles for the majority of the episodes. Like that, that sort of thing, true crime, folklore, just lots of weird cool different things that not a lot of podcasts are doing necessarily so make sure you check that out too coming up in the next few weeks um i think i said before if anyone listened to the very end outro of my previous episodes uh, i'm not recording any more episodes for the time being i've already got about five or six other people who have been contacting me speaking about doing uh, a podcast with them some have been on the show before some have not been so that's going to be quite interesting to do that too uh so that the people I've got coming on the show, I've got Scott Weatherly of the 20th Century Geek. We've got a two-parter recorded. I've got a two-parter recorded with a gentleman called Jared Speed, who basically is the founder of one of the float labs down here in Southampton, uh, which is like an isolation tank and things. If anyone listens to Rogan, you'll know what a float tank is, but you basically go into this pod with salt water, float, you can't feel anything, and it puts you in this nice, calming, resting state. I did it for the first time uh, about last year now, before COVID and things, and... We got talking on social media, and that's how it basically happened. So it was it was such a great chat with Jared, and I can't wait to release that. I'm not sure if that's going to be out next week or the week after. I haven't fully decided, but I'll kind of see, play that by ear, really. Uh, and then I've got one other podcast recorded with my friend Goff of Beer Nuts Productions. Uh, this is going to be Goff's fourth time on the show, uh, and it, we'll talk about his new things as well as how lockdown kind of affected Australia and things like that. So really interesting things coming up and some of the other guests that I've got that I'm soon to be lined up they're going to be certain different conversation and top topic matter as well subject matter that was the word anyway so that's really what you can expect from genuine chit chat for the, the next month or two really and then when i've got more things recorded with other guests i'll have a bit more uh, things to talk about but i'm trying not to have too many recorded in for a too long period of time because yeah then I, it takes ages to release episodes to people and they become really delayed but besides that um one thing i want you guys to check out as well i have included a link in the description about it was that i appeared on the second episode of comics on trial now, Comics on Trial is a new show on the feed of Comics in Motion, which is where my Star Wars Comics in Canon podcast is, uh, that gets released every Saturday. And essentially, the episode that was released, I believe it was September 20th, it was myself, Scott Weatherly of the 20th Century Geek podcast, basically debating about Star Wars The Phantom Menace. I was defending it, he was prosecuting it, and Paul from Superheroes for Dummies, which is also found on the Comics in Motion's feed, he was the judge. So that was a lot of fun. I'm going to be doing another Comics on Trial at some point in the future future too and there was one that's been released for batman versus superman and there's also been one for hulk the 2003 one so lots of really cool fun things going on the feed of comics in motion i really recommend people subscribe to that not only because you get my show star wars comics in canon every saturday but there's a different show every day of the week about comic books about movies about lots of different things so it's a really good way to go on there if you want some new star wars content if you want some new comic content if you want just nerdy cool stuff it's a really good way to go over to that and then you know i've been i've also mentioned that in my uh, show notes there's lots of other places i've been and done other guest stuff on like comics in motion i've been on their show uh, once or twice because i've been on that well i've been on their main show and i've showed up on indie comic spotlight and then i've also showed up on uh, mandatory marvel and dc and i've also there's another 
podcast called Room and I've been on that and I've been in two episodes of that and that was doing some voice acting which is quite interesting so I've done quite a lot of different things here and there but that's really everything for me apart from my Star Wars podcast so I'm going to talk about that and then hang up really. Uh, So the Star Wars podcast it's uh, called Star Wars Comics in Canon. It releases every Saturday on the feed of Comics in Motion and I talk about Star Wars comics. However this week the one just passed uh, is actually about the book Master and Apprentice. I did my first ever book review. I kind of did it in a slightly different format to what I've heard from other people doing it. I did within the podcast kind of three phases of spoilers. So the first phase is no spoilers at all, barely any plot details and just me talking about my opinion on it and I read the blurb. The second phase was me reading the sort of title crawl in the book, giving some information about sort of the lighter details of the plot, some of the characters and some of the things that you can expect from reading the book. And then the third section, I give a lot more information. And then right at the very end, I give a full overview of the general plot but I do give plenty of time for spoilers to that I have had people I mean it only got released from me recording this yesterday uh, but I've already had at least one person speak to me and say that they liked the structure of it and how I did it so I'd be really interested to hear more feedback on that I'm going to be doing more book reviews in the future Uh, but that is pretty much it from me guys Uh, as I always say you know check out all the people associated with this podcast guests who've been on it people on the comics and motion feed all kinds of other things because collaboration in the podcasting realm is so key thank you as always guys for listening i'm going to stop now i'm going to be rambling on forever so really appreciate you guys listening as always and yeah talk to you next week